Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. My cat Rachel is the silliest cat I know. One time, she played inside a paper bag for three hours. What a mystery. But I'm glad her health isn't. Thanks to the color-changing litter from Fresh Step Crystals Health Monitoring Litter. This premium color-changing litter has pH-activated crystals that can help me detect potential illness early. That makes it easy for me to stay on top of her health and well-being. I may not understand all of Rachel's silly quirks, but I can keep up with the important things. Find Fresh Step Crystals Health Monitoring Litter at a store near you. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Hey, Kristen. Yeah, Jolenta. You know the phrase smoking hot body? Uh, hells yeah. You've got one. I got one too, right? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And yes, you do. Question. Do you think we use that phrase because smoking supposedly makes you thin and our society values thinness? Um, I like to think it's more because sometimes really hot things are so hot they literally smoke, you know, like fajitas. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, of course, that does make more sense. But um, can we still talk about smoking and how it's used as a dieting tool? Yes, of course we can. I want to hear all about that. And I bet you're about to tell me because I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jalenta Greenberg. And this is How to Be Fine. In each episode of How to Be Fine, we weigh in on what's happening in the world of happiness, health, and betterment, and we offer a bit of advice to those who want it. And all this month, we are presenting a series that we are lovingly calling New Year, Same Old BS. Each week, we are going to dive into a different fad diet, explaining what its rules are, why it's problematic, where it came from, and why it's historically significant. All righty, Jolenta. What fad diet do we have today? Today's BS diet is the cigarette diet. 
Ooh, I'm ready to inhale everything you're going to blow out at me, Jolenta. (laughs) Nice, nice. Good one, Kristen. Before we get into smoking itself and especially smoking for weight loss, I want to go over a little brief history of tobacco for you. Ah, yes. Let's do it. Let's relive those glory days, Jolenta, when you and I used to smoke and we thought we invented it. Yep. Well, turns out we didn't invent it. (laughs) Turns out we've been using tobacco for as long as 12,000 years. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. That's way older than us. (laughs) Right? Way before our smoking eras. There are fossilized burnt tobacco seeds that were found at an ancient campsite that's thought to be 12,300 years old. So that's pretty old. Yeah. And the first evidence of indigenous people actually cultivating tobacco in the Americas dates back to 6000 BCE. So humans have had a relationship with tobacco for a really long time. Yes, yes. But it wasn't always the same relationship. Tobacco back then was used less recreationally than than how we use it now. It was used in sacred ceremonies and used as part of social customs. Shamans would use it to communicate with the spirit world for medicinal and religious purposes. And it was administered as a painkiller by many different groups of indigenous people. And people would give tobacco as a gift or an offering to the spirit world as well. Mm. And Kristen, it also wasn't just smoked in like pipes or cigars. Tobacco was also chewed. It was drunk as a tea. And it was even sometimes given as an enema. Ooh, I didn't know about the enema part. Right. It's very intriguing. I'm very curious about it. Yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot of absorbent membranes in the rectum. Right. Maybe it would help you get a a little bit more buzzed a little faster that way. (laughs) Yeah, or like maybe it would help cure your pain or something. I don't know. I'm very curious. Yeah. So, of course, eventually explorers sailed to the New World, a.k.a. the Americas, and they brought tobacco home to their various European ports and colonies around the turn of the 16th century. And they brought it back to smoke in pipes or cigars and taken as snuff. Ah, yes. For the ladies, very delicate. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) You know, nice and dainty little sniff. Mm -hmm. And Europeans believed in its medicinal purposes as well. And they used it as a painkiller and just sort of a general cure-all. It's good medicine. Right? Exactly. And by the late 1500s, tobacco had made its way to the royal courts of Queen Elizabeth I in England and to the Medici family in Italy. And in 1571, there's a record of a Spanish doctor claiming that along with being a good painkiller and cure for cancer, tobacco can reduce the appetite. Ding, ding, ding. And now we're on to our cigarette fad dieting. (laughs) There you have it. It started in the 1570s, where all fad diets start. (laughs) (laughs) But tobacco use basically steadily picked up in Europe. It became so popular that demand for the product picked up in the English colonies, in Virginia especially. And Virginia colonists began farming tobacco to export back to England. And this farming demand helped fuel the slave trade to the Americas. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, so screw the tobacco industry starting from way back then. 
So as the colonies in America exploited native land and slaves, tobacco started being exported all over the world. Different cultures are using it and sort of adopting tobacco in different ways. You know, we have cigars, chew, hookahs. And by the 1800s, it was pretty much a staple of men's culture. Men had, you know, smoking rooms, smoking jackets, smoking chairs, smoking slippers. It was seen (laughs) as sort of a luxury leisure activity. Yeah, you can smoke and look classy doing it, right? Right, get your silk robe on, go in your (laughs) wood-paneled cigar room, light up. (laughs) But let's talk about actual cigarettes, though, shall we? Right, right, of course. The things that you and I used to love. That's why we're here, right? That's what we're (laughs) here to talk about. So cigarettes were part of that luxury smoking vibe. Back then, they were expensive because they all had to be hand-rolled. So, you know, that takes time and labor. And, like, it's really delicate and kind of pissy. But that all changed when a guy named James Bonsack invented a cigarette rolling machine in 1880. I used to have one of those. What? Oh, cool. Sometimes in college, I didn't have a lot of money for my cigarettes, and it was cheaper to roll them with my little rolling machine. Yeah. So that made cigarettes way easier to produce and much more accessible to everyone. So the invention of that machine, plus a big advertising push by the American Tobacco Company, helped cigarettes become America's favorite way to consume tobacco. And cigarettes also rose in popularity around that time because of how easy they were to smoke while at war. Smoking increased in the U.S., especially among young men in the early 1900s during World War I. Cigarettes were sent in soldiers' rations, so they were basically like encouraged to smoke. And keep in mind, during all this time, smoking in public, at least, is still illegal for women. (gasps) So that's fun. Yeah. In my research, again, all our sources are in the show notes. I found a case as late as in like 1904, a woman was arrested in New York for smoking like on the street. Wow. Because women were definitely smoking back then. I just didn't realize you weren't supposed to do it in public. Had to be done like in your home, apparently. Um, (laughs) But that did all change in 1920. You know what happened then, Kristen? I believe women ruined everything by voting, right? Yep. Yay, (laughs) suffrage. Yay. (laughs) When women were granted the right to vote, they were granted a few other rights that, you know, sort of free individual citizens were were given, including the right to be seen smoking. (laughs) And the American Tobacco Company that I mentioned earlier, they jumped on this new market. They were like, we're going to get all these women buying our product. Funny how that seems to come up every week on our show. Right, right. A little bit of commercial culture, a little bit of capitalism. Let's sell people things. Let's get them to destroy themselves and hate themselves in the process. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And the American Tobacco Company was no exception. They're the company that made Lucky Strike cigarettes And of course, by 1928, they launched a campaign that had images of this sort of sultry, kissy lipped, smoky eyed flapper with text that said, To keep a slender figure, no one can deny, reach for a lucky instead of a sweet. Ah, that tagline. That's a very Mm. famous tagline. Reach for a lucky instead of a sweet. 
Yes, yes, yes. And um, we can put some of these adverts up on our Instagram if you guys want to see it at How to Be Fine Pond. And so this campaign birthed the idea of the flapper diet or the cigarette diet, as we more commonly call it now. The basic idea is that cigarettes can curb food cravings or replace a snack. And if you want that hot flapper bod, which was pretty slender and straight and narrow, you know, if you think of those flapper dresses, Mm -hmm. you don't think of many curves. So if you want that slender flapper look, grab a Lucky. Yeah. Goodbye, Gibson girls. Goodbye, Curves. Goodbye, Queen Victoria. Let's just be straight up and down now, like a cigarette. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And Lucky Strike kept going with this campaign. There were ads featuring famous actors, a notable interior designer, and even Amelia Earhart did one. And they all say, you know, we grab a Lucky instead of a snack to keep our slim figures. Oh, my God. Amelia Earhart. And they got even more intense with their next ad campaign, Kristen. This one was a series of drawings of, you know, a person doing a sport like swimming or golfing or riding a horse. And then behind them in the background is a shadow version of them doing the same activity, but way heavier, like in (gasps) profile. Oh, yeah. My and God. these ones, these ones are dark. <laughs> they say things like, is this five years from now? When tempted to overindulge, reach for a lucky instead. Stop eating you fatsos. Smoke instead. Yeah, be afraid. Be afraid of your future <laughs> fat self. You better start smoking. So oh, these ad campaigns, along with deals that cigarette companies were starting to make with film studios to feature their products, popularized the modern idea that cigarettes are a very glamorous diet tool. Uh, Yes. And once again, let's not forget, because they were trying to sell us cigarettes. This wasn't because they really cared about our figures or our health or our fitness. None of those things. Of course. And you know the tobacco industry didn't stop there. Because in 1968, Virginia Slims were introduced to the market by Philip Morris. And Mm. these were cigarettes that only came in longer versions, only in 100 millimeter or 120. The normal cigarette is 84 millimeters, to give you a point of reference. And Virginia Slims came in packaging that was feminine, sometimes floral, with pastels on it. And of course, the word slim is literally in the name, clearly implying that, you know, they may help you stay just that slim. Oh, I remember those ads so well. Those ads ran in ladies' magazines. Yes. Even when you and I were growing up. Up to our childhoods. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And they looked glamorous. They were like the perfume of cigarettes in my mind, you know? Like, they were so chic. And, you know, those hot babies are also still on the market. So, like, they're still marketing those to us. And basically, as a culture, we really latched on to the idea that cigarettes and thinness go together. We saw it in the 1990s when the heroin chic look was in and models like Kate Moss and Jamie King were the height of fashion. It was basically an open secret back then that it took a diet of cigarettes, coffee and vodka to stay that thin. Yeah, absolutely. The heroin chic look who knows if heroin was really involved, but we all know cigarettes were. Kate and Moss was they were, constantly photographed with a cigarette. Oh, they all were constantly yeah. backstage smoking, constantly on the street smoking, constantly after the latest fashion show or the fashion shoot. They were smoking nonstop. Absolutely. Totally. 
And that sentiment carried over to the early 2000s, like when I was in high school and college. All the super thin it girls like Lindsay Lohan, Nicole Richie, the Olsen twins were constantly photographed smoking or holding packs of cigarettes. Oh, yeah. I remember that vividly. They were like walking advertisements for totally how how to be underweight. And it was always cigarettes. That's like why I smoked Marlboro Lights was because like that's what they were always carrying like under their Blackberry, like stacked in their hand, you know, or their sidekick if I really want to date myself. (laughs) (laughs) They were absolutely about being thin. The culture was about shaming anybody who was quote unquote, not thin. And most of the people who were being shamed oh actually my gosh. were thin. Do you remember? The horrible things we said about like Jessica Simpson and Kelly Clarkson in those days who were both like quite small. Yes, yes. It was not that, messed up. Not that it's okay to shame anybody at any size, but the fact that people who were on the BMI chart completely average were being ridiculed for right. being fat back then. Yeah, just Bonkers. smoke instead, everybody. Ladies, smoke instead. And, you know, Kristen, even within the past few years, with this resurgence of 90s and Y2K fashion, this has sort of rekindled a lot of people's desires for ultra-thinness. You know, influencers like the Kardashians are getting their butt implants taken out. Mindy Kaling is almost unrecognizably thin, and it's rumored that she throws Hollywood Ozempic parties. Big celebs like Dua Lipa and Jenna Ortega have been spotted smoking. And as a recent USA Today article says, this cultural spiral back into skinny culture goes hand in hand with cigarette culture. Uh, Yeah. Culturally, absolutely. Commercially, absolutely. Selling us stuff, absolutely. Cigarettes and skinniness go hand in hand. But the question, Jolenta, is... Do cigarettes actually lead to weight loss? Does one actually help one to be thin if that's what their desire is? Well, first and foremost, I want to make it clear that smoking is horrible for you. And we in no way recommend that you take it up for any reason, especially weight loss. And we say this both as former smokers. Just don't do it. Don't do it. Don't get hooked. It's so hard to quit. It's so hard to quit. It's so bad for you. It's so expensive. You don't realize it at the time, but it also smells absolutely terrible. (laughs) Yeah. You think you're one of the smokers that doesn't smell until you smell the stuff that you were wearing when you were a smoker now that you're a (laughs) non-smoker, and then you realize you smelled really bad. Yeah. Yeah. All of it sucks. And again, just so bad for your health. Right. It's not good for you. Yeah. Don't do it. That being said, smoking does seem to keep those who do it a bit slimmer. Again, not condoning smoking for weight loss. It is horrible for you. For a while, it was thought that the dopamine hit that nicotine gives your brain is what leaves us feeling sort of happy and satisfied and not hungry. But in 2011, neuroscientists at Yale who were researching the nicotine receptor in the brain called alpha-3, beta-4 in mice found that mice who were given a drug that only activated this receptor ate less. And the researchers wrote that this means that nicotine does, in fact, bind to alpha-3, beta-4 receptors, which then send a signal throughout the rest of the brain signaling satiety. 
It's indistinguishable from the signal the brain propagates after eating a large meal. Mice that receive the drug binding to the alpha-3 beta-4 receptor ate half the amount of food as untreated mice in the two hours following administration of the drug. Uh, so hold on. It literally tricks your body into thinking it's full. So yeah. if you smoke instead of eat, your body actually thinks that you just ate, essentially. Yeah, the brain sends like very similar signals based on that nicotine receptor being activated. So yeah, it tricks your little body. Oh God, while it's killing your lungs and all of your other systems and giving you cancer. Yeah, exactly. So we know it does that. Also, smoking speeds up the metabolism, which helps smokers stay a bit more slim. And it's also thought that just the habit of smoking physically distracts you from eating. You know, if you're smoking, you're not going to be also wandering to the fridge and grazing your cheese drawer. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of hard to eat cheese and smoke at the same time. Yeah, exactly. But as we know, it is not worth it to smoke to lose weight. Smoking is horrible for you. And I'm just going to remind us of how bad it is. Oh, yes. Please do. Here's what the CDC has to say about smoking. Cigarette smoking is the leading cause of preventable death in the United States. Smoking causes cancer, heart disease, stroke, lung disease, diabetes, and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, which includes emphysema and chronic bronchitis. Smoking also increases risk for tuberculosis, certain eye diseases, and problems of the immune system, including rheumatoid arthritis. Estimates show smoking increases the risk for coronary heart disease by two to four times, for stroke by two to four times, of men developing lung cancer by 25 times, and of women developing lung cancer by 25.7 times. So that's just a short list. I know the list is way longer. That is a small portion (laughs) of what the CDC has to say about how bad smoking is for you. Yeah, it's just absolutely horrible for you. There's nothing about it that's good for you. And also just a reminder that being thin does not necessarily equate with health in any way. Right. We as a culture oftentimes say, oh, I just care about your health when we're talking about people of a certain size. But what we really mean is like, I don't like that you're fat. Yeah, I feel uncomfortable that your body like bulks at social norms. Yeah, but size has nothing to do with health smoking very, very clearly does. Yeah. So do not do it. But that is the cigarette diet. There you have it. There are the facts. It is bad for you. It is. And I'm just going to speak for myself here for a moment, Jolenta. Please. And if you want to talk about this, you also can. I will admit that in my younger days, smoking was culturally just part of the thing to do. Riot girls, grungy girls, you know, certain kinds of gals, the world I ran in, and guys, not just gals, we just smoked a lot. We went on smoke breaks. That's how I met half my friends. Yeah, was same. Going on smoke breaks. And smoking was just part of life when I was growing up. But also, there was that ulterior motive for me and a lot of other gals that if right. I smoked, I wouldn't have to eat. And We know where that idea came from. It came from the idea that thinner was better back then. And exactly, it it was not a healthy way to live. How about you, Jolenta? When you were smoking, did weight ever come into your mindset? I always thought of it as like uh, added bonus, even though it's bad for you. And I just have to say, 
For me, at least, smoking never actually affected my weight that much. When I quit, I never put on a ton of weight, nor did I ever lose a ton or like slim down when I picked it back up again. So like, it's not even that effective for some people, apparently. Just don't do it. And just know that even if it curbs appetite by like tricking your brain chemistry, like the reason you associate it with thinness is because of some like asshole advertiser who was like, let's get our grubby hands on this new market. Yeah. And, you know, I'm really glad you brought up how it affected your weight, Jolenta, because looking back, I don't think it affected my weight either. I don't think it made me gain weight when I quit smoking. I don't think it made me lose weight when I did smoke. I really don't think it had any effect on me. Right. I would say maybe minimally, like immediately there would be a bit of a fluctuation, but it always evened out. Yeah. So we did a lot of damage to ourselves for no good reason, I guess. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Because we fell prey to capitalism and really good advertising. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Kate Moss. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Lucky Strike. (laughs) But listeners, we want to hear from you. What are your thoughts about the cigarette diet? Have you recently quit smoking? Are you glad you never started? Any tips for people who are quitting now? You can write to us at kristenangelenta at gmail.com. And of course, you can always join the lively discussion at our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash kristenangelenta. Coming up, we hear from a letter writer who wants to communicate more clearly. Stay with us. Making my cat happy is my number one priority, and Fresh Step Out Stretch Litter helps me do just that. Meet Mr. Mittens. Mitty, for short. Ah! Mitty is happiest when his litter box is clean and fresh. And Fresh Step Out Stretch is amazing at absorbing waste and odor. We sure have found our common ground, haven't we? Happy cat, happy life. Find Fresh Step Out Stretch at a store near you. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Hey, everybody, we're back with our first letter of the day. Jolenta, what do they have to say? Our letter writer says, Dear Kristen and Jolenta, I'm a new manager and struggling to communicate clearly. I know what needs to be done, but in an effort to be nice, I am not being clear. Any advice on stopping with the people-pleasing? Ah, letter writer, I don't know your gender, but I'm presuming 
you might identify as a lady because we are the ones who are constantly pressured to be nice, to please people. Don't be too gruff. Don't be a bitch. Don't be too bossy. And you know what I have to say about all of that? When we are trying to be nice, we oftentimes end up dancing around stuff. We end up being less clear as you, letter writer, are concerned about. Mm -hmm. But we also come across as more muddled. We come across as more confusing to people. Our message is not as precise as it should be. So, yeah, it's tough to stop being the people pleaser. But my first bit of advice is, because it's so hard to stop being a people pleaser, keep in mind, it's more pleasing to people when we are clear. It is more Mm. pleasing to everybody if we are exact and precise. If we don't dance around it and say, well, the thing is, and what I mean by that, and I mean, I know you made a good effort here, but this and that, you know, and and I'm not saying don't show some understanding. You should show some understanding. You should include some praise every day for your team members. All of that's important. But when giving instructions, just instruct. Okay. Yeah. Here are the things that need to get done today, or these are the action items we're going to address in today's meeting, or at the end of the week, discuss our accomplishments for the week. These are the six things that you all should have accomplished by then. You know, just be as clear as you can by shifting that mindset and thinking of clarity as the most pleasing thing you can do. You know, we've all had that boss or that person in our life who just won't speak clearly to us. It's not pleasing. It's very frustrating. Right. Right. (laughs) No, that's true. That's such a good way to put it. If you just sort of reframe your urge to please to be about like clarity and brevity and making sure people walk away knowing what you want from them, that is pleasing. Speaking as someone who's had super unclear bosses in the past, like I'm much more pleased when I know exactly what they want me to do and they aren't sort of hemming and hawing about like, you could do this or try that or like, whatever, you know, do what works for you. It's like sometimes, you know, a direct request is much more pleasing. And also, I just want to say, letter writer, it sucks that you even have to think about this. As Kristen Mm -hmm. said, you most likely identify as a woman. And it sucks that we have to even deal with this because people who are socialized as men tend to worry less about the recipient's feelings or pleasing them. Sometimes when I'm in this situation, I like to write a draft of what I'm trying to say as if I were a dude, you know, try it, try and put on that mindset and be like, if I were a male boss, not a gruff one or a rude one, but just one that was super direct, maybe a little curt, how would I write this? Then you can punch it up with a little exclamation mark or a please if need be. But like, that's usually all that has to be done. The harder part is the sort of internal struggle with that deep-seated belief that our purpose in life is to make other people comfortable or that we have to apologize for being in charge because that's still like new to some people. It sucks that you have to deal with this, but you're not alone. And just, you know, try cosplaying as a straight white dude at an office and then punch it up for some politeness. Also, maybe check out Celeste Headley's book. We love Celeste Headley. She's a friend of the Uh, show. Um, She has a book called We Need to Talk, How to Have Conversations That Matter. And it's all about how we communicate and having difficult conversations. So she can maybe help give you some perspective if you're still really struggling. But we believe in you and congrats on being a boss. 
Yes. Congrats on being a boss and Jolenta. I'm so glad you recommended that book. It is excellent. There it's are a great other book. great communication books out there too. Right. Celeste just happens to be one of our favorites, but there are so many books out there about communicating clearly. And, you know, you'll find a rhythm that works for you. And again, you got this. We're so proud of you. You can do this. All right. We are going to take a quick, quick break. But before we do, We'd be so grateful if you took a hot second to rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts. It helps us know what you're thinking about the show. It helps other people find the show. You can give us a little rating and review and write what topics you want us to cover for upcoming shows. So hit up the little ratings and review section, why don't you? Coming up, a letter writer has a concern about her therapist. Stay with us. My cat, Rachel, is the silliest cat I know. One time, she played inside a paper bag for three hours. What a mystery. But I'm glad her health isn't. Thanks to the color-changing litter from Fresh Step Crystals Health Monitoring Litter. This premium color-changing litter has pH-activated crystals that can help me detect potential illness early. That makes it easy for me to stay on top of her health and well-being. I may not understand all of Rachel's silly quirks, but I can keep up with the important things. Find Fresh Step Crystals Health Monitoring Litter at a store near you. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Okay, we are back with letter number two. Kristen, could you read this one? Of course. Our second letter writer says, Dear Kristen and Jolenta, let's say you've been seeing an eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapist for two years, aka an EMDR specialist. You aren't doing a lot of EMDR therapy with her anymore, but still seeing her. In the last six months, she has mentioned going to a Tony Robbins seminar, has sent you a video of his has had you read some Louise Hay, and generally has been pushing the whole law of attraction philosophy without necessarily calling it that. What color flag would you say this is? Ooh, such a good question. Personally, I would call it, let's say, you know, a burnt orange flag, perhaps a bit reddish. Really? I would call it fluorescent flaming red. Okay, I was trying to be nice. I was trying to be nice. Okay, okay. If you're saying flaming red, then I'm just going to say red. Okay, phew. I was trying to be nice. Okay. I would say it's a red flag. I would say a while back, you know, my therapist retired like almost a year ago now. So a while back when I was searching for a new therapist, I probably would have said like, it's a beige or maybe like a pink flag. But now I won't because I found a therapist that I I was vibing with. And then when we were talking, she asked if I had read The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And I was like, is that the Mark Manson book? And she didn't know the author, but it was the Mark Manson one. And oh. I was like, he's a former pickup artist who pivoted to like nagging people and being sexist in the genre of self-help because like there's a bigger market for it. 
And then I had to tell her to like look up his views on the Me Too movement and how women are like asking for special treatment and having thin skin is like bad for feminism. And I was like, shoot, I should have uh, taken this as a bit of a red flag because my work with her turned kind of victim blamey pretty quick. And that makes sense if you remember she's into Mark Manson's work. And I would say the same goes for Tony Robbins. Like, regardless of him having, like, a few universal nuggets of wisdom, like, which all self-help people do, his overall vibe is shady. And he's been accused of, like, sexual assault at this point. So I have trouble separating, you know, the art from the artist. And I would call that a red flag. Yeah. I would call it a red flag as well because the law of attraction is nonsense. And I'm not saying positive thinking is nonsense. There is something to be said and something that's been studied at length by a number of researchers that show that, you know, if we flex those muscles of positivity, if we go through the world looking for the good and not just the bad, we tend to be happier. When we go through the world trying to see what sucks about it and talking constantly about what's negative about it and everyone's out to get me and that mindset that can be really bad for us. Yeah. So I'm I'm not saying there's anything wrong with like having goals, trying to see what's good in life, trying to practice gratitude. I'm not saying anything's wrong with those things, but the authors who you mentioned here are very much about if you believe it you can be it and the people who have it have proven that they have the right mindset. It's like No, a lot of people have what they have in life because of generational wealth, not because they had a better mindset than you. Right. You know, maybe because they were born on third base. It's not because they're better than you or that they're more psychologically healthy than you. Right. Uh, A lot of these self-help authors, as you alluded to, Jolenta, just know how to tap into the current market and know how to sell books. It doesn't mean that they're better at living life. So I would just, you know, be mindful of being recommended these kinds of law of attraction authors. So be mindful that that there are definitely issues with that. And also, as you were saying, Jolenta, sometimes psychologists, sometimes therapists, sometimes they recommend stuff and just don't really know the full story of what they're recommending to us. Therapists can be great, but therapists are still human. Sometimes they don't do their homework. Sometimes they're flawed. Sometimes they went into psychology as a major to fix themselves, not to fix other people, you know? Sometimes there are issues there. And I've definitely had a therapist or two over the years who's recommended me a book that I was pretty mad about later on. People who took me the wrong way, people who assumed the wrong things about me. One in particular really bugged me. She said, you're just somebody who believes in magical thinking. You're just like one of those people who is like Oprah. You think you're a victim (laughs) and you think that if you just pretend to be a man at Pixie Dream Girl, things will be better. I'm like, where the fuck is this therapist coming from? Right, yeah. That's their own baggage. Where did she get this from? Where did she get this from? Yes, I admire Oprah a great deal, but what? 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 Where did this all come from? Um, And it later turned out that that therapist was behind my back seeing... My boyfriend separately. Ooh. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Not I good. No. Yes. Wild. Some therapists are not good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. And some therapists aren't bad, but maybe they just aren't fully informed about the books they're recommending you and they need to be told, like Jolenta, like you did with that therapist. Right. So yeah, it's okay to tell your therapist that, you know, maybe you should know this or this about this author. And it's also okay to say to your therapist, 
maybe this isn't a fit anymore. It's also frankly okay to ghost your therapist and just go get another one. You can do that too. I know not everybody agrees with that last bit of advice, but I think it's okay to ghost your therapist and get another one. Yeah. It's fine. And also because Letter Writer, you mentioned you're not doing that much EMDR anymore with that specialist. So like why keep dealing with someone who's sort of steering you in a direction that you don't think is like that healthy or realistic. Yeah. You don't have to see this therapist anymore. Or if you want to, you can say to this therapist, this isn't what I want from you. Yeah. Like I'm not here for self-help book recommendations. I'm here for like what you went to school for. Yeah. (laughs) So there you have it. Letter writer. I went from burnt orange to red and Kristen is bright red. But those (laughs) those are the flag colors we would assign. Agree. Red flags across the beach. We agree. (laughs) And that is it for this episode of How to Be Fine. Huge thank you, as always, to our production team at Stitcher, our executive producer, Nora Ritchie, our producer, Chantel Holder, and our composer slash engineer, Casey Holford. Reminder for all of you who love hearing Jolenta and I talk about books, we still do that on our very special Patreon episodes, which come out every week. You can join our Patreon by going to patreon.com slash listen to buy the book. Again, that's patreon.com slash listen to buy the book, where you can hear Jolenta and I talk about everything from self-help books to the latest bestsellers. Until next time, I'm Jolenta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. See you next week. Until then, stay fine. Stitcher. Making my cat happy is my number one priority, and Fresh Step Outstretch litter helps me do just that. Meet Mr. Mittens. Mitty, for short. Ah! Mitty is happiest when his litter box is clean and fresh. And Fresh Step Outstretch is amazing at absorbing waste and odor. We sure have found our common ground, haven't we? Happy cat, happy life. Find Fresh Step Outstretch at a store near you. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow.